Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show, the traditionalist. We are recording just a few days before Christmas. This is the first day of winter, December 21st, 2021. I'm Jack Fowler, the host, the star, and namesake is Victor Davis Hanson, who is the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution, the Wayne and Marcia Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. We have a lot to talk about. We don't have a lot of time today. First thing up on the agenda will be Two famous people. One is Joe Manchin and the other is Bette Midler. And we'll get to them right after this important message. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like calorie smart, protein plus and keto factors, fresh, Never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash victor50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, 
to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. Head to factormeals.com slash Victor50. That's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0. And use the code Victor50. That's code Victor50 at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show, the traditionalist. Victor, I believe that this past Sunday, December 19th, may prove to be one of the more consequential days in American, recent American political history. It certainly is important this week. I think a year from now, 10 years from now, we might look back and see what happened that day as truly consequential. Uh, Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat, from West Virginia went on Fox Sunday show with Brett Baer and once and for all put a stake through the heart of Joe Biden's Build Back Better, monstrous, multi-trillion dollar spendathon. Okay, it was not the $6 trillion that Bernie Sanders, who is the true architect of this legislation, had wanted, but it's still a monster thing. Mansion, much in the news for months, who has shown great hesitancy, over this legislation, finally said, no, enough. It's not going to work, and I'm not going to vote for it, no matter what you serve up. Caused quite an uproar. Came as quite a surprise to a lot of people. And the other thing related to this, Victor, and of course, your views on what he did, its consequence, how he did it, whatever you want to talk about. But I do want to add that one of the reactions, I think symbolic for a lot of people, was from Bette Midler, the famous bulbous actress, uh, singer, nasty piece of work, I've always thought. She tweeted immediately after Manchin's announcement, quote, what Joe Manchin, who represents a population smaller than Brooklyn, has done to the rest of America, who wants to move forward, not backward, like his state, is horrible. He sold us out. He wants us all to be just like his state, West Virginia, poor, illiterate, and strung out. Victor, I think that's where the heart of a lot of progressive people are. And Joe Manchin is as much of a stand-in for the rest of America as is anything else. So, Victor, big ball there. Joe Manchin, Bette Midler, have at it, please. I don't know whether you should use the word irony or paradox or nemesis, but the left always gets themselves in this paradox or boomerang. And what, by that, I mean, do you remember when John McCain ran for re-election, his last re-election, he was going to vote to repeal Obamacare. Right. And then he got in his many iteration, one of his many iterations of hate Trump, and he, he voted against it. And he stopped, he stopped the reform of Obamacare. Remember what the left said, Jack? They said he was a true to his word, that he was a maverick of the Senate that he was the only Republican with principles. So now Joe Manchin is basically playing the McCain role, the independent and guy that is going to take on his party for a higher cause. I, I agree with this cause. And what does the left do? They call him a traitor. They call him all of these names. And I thought that they would worship that because he's sort of what McCain was to the Republicans. Are they so small they can't see this same situation happening to themselves? Of course, they are so small. The second thing is, Joe Manchin is one person. There's 100 senators. So how do they get in this situation? Maybe they could have picked off, I don't know, Mikowski or Snow, any of these, you know what I'm talking about, any of these 
rhino Republican senators. Why didn't they get Mitt Romney to join them? So they didn't have a message is what I'm trying to say. And so they're blaming one person. If they really want to get Build Back Better, why didn't they get four or five senators? Because they couldn't. And why is Joe Manchin doing this now? He, he voted for the infrastructure bill. And they were happy. They praised his independence. And the reason that he's doing this is because he understands politics. He's in a state that is more red in terms of Trump than Oklahoma or, you know, Utah or Mississippi. And he understands that 75% of the people, anything with Biden's name on it, they don't want. And so they're going to make Manchin pay. How are they going to make him pay? He's, he's made up already. He doesn't have to worry about if he wants to run re-election, he's there. All he has to do is remain a populist. So when Bette Midler attacks his constituency the way she did, that's a gift. Because that just confirms what they think of people like Bette Midler and what she represents. So it's a win-win situation for him, you know, when... Somebody says they're poor, they're literate, and strung out. The voters of West Virginia, well, that, that's what they want to be called by people like that. So I, I'm just saying, why is Manchin worried he's not? Why are they attacking him? Because their bill has no support. Why does the bill have no support? Because Joe Biden blew up his presidency in 11 months. Not one policy that he's engineered from the border to the economy, to inflation, to energy, to foreign policy has 50% support. His person, he's non-compos mentes. His person is a force multiplier of the unpopularity of his agenda. And he got what he deserved. And believe me, Jack, if right now Biden was polling at 55% as he was in early February, then Joe Manchin probably would have voted along with him. But he's not stupid. Why would you buck 75% of your constituency to go down with the sinking ship of Joe Biden? Yeah, Victor, that's been part of the response lie was that polling, which I think is polling from months and months ago, showed that the, the citizens of West Virginia really supported this when it's clear that they do not from more recent polling. And here's a senator representing his constituents. But Victor, you, do you think this will prove to be a truly consequential day. This is the day the music died for the progressives politically. Yeah, I, think, I think what's happening when Bette Midler says things like they're poor and illiterate and strung out, or he wants, I don't know what she, I didn't, I read it this morning, he wants us to be like West Virginia. I've been to West Virginia, it's a beautiful state, by the way. It's some of the hardest working people in the world. They supply the nation's energy for decades and they should be praised for it. But I think what it does is it sort of confirms what everybody kind of thinks about the left. Then they try to hide it, that they have utter hatred and contempt for the white working class. And when any little tension, any little stress occurs in their political lenses, stress test on them, then they go berserk. And whether it's that CNN reporter said he went to a Trump rally and he had more teeth than everybody put together, or whether it's Peter Stroke and Lisa Page talking about going into Walmart and smelling these people, or whether it's John McCain saying Trump brought out all the crazies, or whether it's Joe Biden calling them dregs of society and chumps. Forget about that. Everybody's forgot about that. Or Hillary's irredeemables or deplorables or course, this started off with Obama's clingers. And so that's what they think of people that work with their hands, that are muscular. And you, it, it really poses this question. And you people, 
you people, Bette Midler, let's take a look at your culture. Let's look at Hollywood. Should we look at Seth Rogen? Or maybe we should look at, I don't know, Jeffrey Epstein that hung around with celebrities. Or maybe we should look at Harvey Weinstein. That's a good example. Or we could look at the exemplar of uh, Probity, Sean Penn. We can look at any of those messed up. Or how about the director of the X-Men, the pedophile, who everybody loved in, in Hollywood. So that is a dysfunctional society. And when we look at the Democratic Party, you don't see pillars of probity either. And so this is what's so weird about this attack on the working classes. Mark Milley, white rage, Lloyd Austin. Okay, let's, let's look at your career, Mark Milley. Why are you so morally superior to the people you're hunting out in the Pentagon? Is it because you call your counterpart in the Chinese Communist Party, the People's Liberation Army? Is it because you violated the law and broke the chain of command and started telling people they had to report to you when you're an advisor only? We really saw it in the Mueller investigation. Remember that, Jack? It was, these are the dream team guys. These are the hunter killers. These are the all-stars. And they would quote their Harvard or Yale or Stanford law degree and who, how left-wing and they were going to demolish Trump's. Remember, we had Ty Cobb with the handlebar, Jay Sekulow, and all of these really old guys or people that were not fitting the, the Ivy League paradigm. And, and that legal team just tore apart the dream team. But it was the same cultural divide. I remember when Devin Nunes was in the news over the collusion hoax, all they wrote about him was not whether he was correct or wrong, but he was a farmer. He was over his head. He was a dairy guy. He didn't go to graduate school. Adam Schiff had a, I think, Harvard Law degree. He would tear Nunes up. And so this is something that's really very un-American in the sense that America was formed by a freeholding agrarians and it had a populist Andrew Jackson legacy for a long time. And it was always a champion in the middle class. And we have created a dysfunctional bicoastal elite. Yeah. And you can really see it here. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's been around for a long time too, Victor. You know, I was just recently reading this is great podcast series by a man, John Beresford, on uh, his Chambers case. And, you know, this case early on, it was because his attacked Richard Nixon, then the congressman, for not, oh, you didn't go to Harvard. It was something like you went to Whittier College, some snotty ass line that lit Nick Nixon's fire and, and ended up cooking uh, uh, Hiss's goose. But this arrogance is, uh, is and we all know how, And we all know that John Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy and Ted Kennedy had much more admirable personal lives than Richard Nixon. Yeah. Well, and also people ghostwriting <laughs> for them. Well, anyway, Victor, um, let's, uh, you mentioned before a famous uh, lady, Hillary Clinton. We'll talk about her. And right now, by the way, as we are talking now, Joe Biden will at some point <laughs> during our recording be giving his actual address to the nation about responding to the Omicron uh, deluge coming on America right now. Maybe, maybe we should talk about that first and then get to Hillary Clinton. Daily Mail has a news report up today. They've obviously been briefed about what the president is going to be talking about this afternoon. So here are the bullet points. He will again stress vaccine and vaccines. Remember, those are the things he wouldn't take when he was running for president. He will again stress vaccines and boosters and issue a stark warning to Americans who haven't got a shot. Don't know what stark warning means. The government will buy 500 million home test kits to, to be provided free to the public, which is something just a couple of weeks ago. 
Jen Psaki was mocking when someone asked her about it at a press conference. Uh, he will deploy 1,000 military personnel to hospitals and set up federally run testing sites. The administration is not calling for any new lockdowns or travel restrictions and will instead address existing steps like masking indoors, testing, and vaccines. Those are the bullet points taken from the Daily Mail's report on the forthcoming talk. So we've got this new strain. It's pretty rampant. How deadly it is compared to the others, it seems less deadly, but it's crimping Christmas. Victor, what are your thoughts about what the president might be saying, we expect him to be saying, and the other reactions to this new strain? Well, we want him to just say the truth and follow the quote-unquote science. And all he has to do is say, if you have two vaccinations, you are less likely to be hospitalized, even though you may get COVID, and far less likely to die. If you choose to get a booster, that will even increase your ability uh, to withstand the Omicron variant without going to the hospital, and you probably will not die at all. So we urge you to do that. However, some of you have had COVID, and maybe some of you have had it twice. You no doubt have some type of immunity against Omicron. Maybe it's analogous to the vaccination. So therefore we urge those who have had COVID maybe to consider a booster. And then he should say, we're going to once again, concentrate on elderly people and have sort of, you know, special attention focused on them. But this idea that everybody's gonna be vaxxed and then all the people who aren't vaxxed are causing all these problems. Well, I mean, they use this word case, case, case. What does case mean? There's so many cases today of, of COVID. Does that mean Elizabeth Warren? She's had two. She was she was kind of the Karen of the Senate. She's telling everybody about vaccination. She's had two vaccinations. She's had a booster and she got COVID. She had mild symptoms. And so why don't they just say you can get COVID even with a booster, but it will be mild rather than to act as if this is the magic bullet. And furthermore, I think we're on the cusp as these variants go through the population and they do seem as people had told us from the very beginning that each variant would be more infectious but maybe not quite as deadly so when you look at those graphs of daily deaths going back to march of 2020 after that initial terrible spike in 2020 each one of these variants is a little bit maybe the caseload officially is the same. It flattens, it lengthens, but it doesn't spike as high in terms of deaths. And so I think what's happening is it's probably mutating. People are going to get more and more infections. They're going to get more and more herd immunity. I'm not going to go so far as to say it's like a booster shot because nobody wants to get it because you don't know. It's so unpredictable given one's individual and idiosyncratic health conditions. But I think the American people are over this panic and we were driving yesterday, when you drive through Fresno, for example, over the top of Fresno on the freeway, and you look at the theater parking lots, the traffic, you go to, I mentioned going to stores or car lot, it's pre-pandemic, people are out there. And you can even start to see it, Jack, with some of the Democratic politicians. They're starting to say, you know, we can't go back to a lockdown. We can't. Ha we have to stop this paranoia. We have to stop this demonization of people who haven't got a booster. Right. And Governor of Colorado, for exactly. example. Exactly. Governor of Colorado. And the subtext of that is Donald Trump's not president anymore. So when you keep causing this hysteria, you do two things. You turn off, you know, 
3 million federal workers, you turn off 2 million people in the armed forces and the reserves, you slow down the economy and you create more demand for supplemental inflationary COVID assistance at a time of massive deficits. And this is fine when Trump is president. That's That was the idea. Let's hurt him. That's what Jane Fonda, we remember, said COVID was a gift from God to get rid of Trump. But now they're starting to see this is hurting Biden. And when he gets on there and he does this get off my grass rant, have you noticed? It's kind of, everybody got to wear a mask. Get him wearing a mask. Got to get a mask. Get vaccinated. Vaccinated. You know, it's this is it's winter's coming. People are going to die or they're not vaccinated. What does that mean? Does that mean a person, as I said, that got a severe case of COVID and chooses not to be vaccinated is going to die? And is that his fault or something? Now we see these emails that have been revealed with Collins. And what did they reveal? They're going after Jay Bacharia at Stanford and the great Barrington doctors who wrote that sort of, I thought it was a Gupta from Oxford, Kohlendorf from Harvard. It was kind of a brave thing to say. And they basically forecast along with Scott Atlas exactly what's happening, that you were not via vaccination, which they strongly supported, but you were not going to end it. And you were going to basically get to a situation where the vaccinations would stop the lethality of it, and then the variance would increase but in infectiousness, but not lethality, and then we would have time to, to develop therapeutics. And we're going to have this Pfizer pill come out, I guess it's in February, it seems to be much superior to the Merck from preliminary testings, their version, but we're getting to the point where people are going to be able to take a test at home, they have a fever, and then call into a prescription and get some types of therapeutics. And we're only there if we would just take a deep breath and say, these are scientific studies that show these off-label uses of various drugs seem to mitigate the symptoms. And they've given us seven or eight of them that seem to, to help, but we just we just have to say it's vaccinations or nothing. And the final thing very quickly, Jack, is because Kamala Harris weighed in again yesterday and said, we just can't get people to trust us on the vaccination. And this is terrible. And we've done all we can. I thought, wow, you were the one who in 2020, in the heat of the campaign, said there are no circumstances where you're going to get vaccinated if the vaccination was a product of a Trump policy, if Trump fingerprints were on it. And Joe Biden said the same thing. So then you become president and you adopt his vaccinations as your own, to the extent that Joe Biden said no one had been vaccinated until he was president, which is a complete lie. And so the whole thing has been politicized. And when you see these emails with Collins, you know, saying, how are we going to, you know, basically, how are we going to sick some of the people who are getting some of our $40 billion in medical grants from the government? How can we use that as a leverage lever to sick it on Bacharia and these great Barrington people? And so these people are very corrupt. And I hope, just pray that at some point, there'll be a change of government and they will look at the CDC and the NIH and the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases and have a clean sweep and get rid of these lifelong bureaucrats and get some people who've actually practiced medicine and are engaged in research in there yeah. because these people are corrupt. Victor, what do you, do you know about Charia? Yes, I do. I, I like him a lot. He's a colleague at Stanford. I don't, I'm not a close friend. I've met him. And he's a very, he's a frequent person, you know, on Laura Ingram, but he's also on Peter Robinson's On Common Knowledge. He's been on there a lot. Very soft-spoken, kind guy. Right. And uh, he's a wonderful person. 
Yeah, I saw him on TV the other night. I thought he was he made so much sense and he kind of popped in my head as a contrast to Fauci, who okay, we know he's a, a bureaucrat uh, now, but man, doesn't he come off like a bureaucrat? So the, the comparison of these two guys and their trustworthiness and yeah, Fauci he's just kind of stark. Every morning Fauci gets up and he puts his finger in the air and he said, Where is 51%? of public opinion and how do I warp, adopt, change, modify, adopt, reject my statements to fit the what the consensus is and how do I stay at my job by buttering up or being obsequious to the president? That's what he does every single day. And he does not care one bit that he contradicts himself. Just think of where we've been now the last year. This is a guy who told us there's no way in the world we'd ever need a lockdown. This thing will never come over here. Then we travel bans are not necessary. Travel bans are essential. Masks are not necessary. That is so silly. One mask, okay. Two, better yet. Oh, we're never going to get herd immunity, but we can get it at 60. No, 70. How about 80 or 90? Oh, I have never, we have never given money for gain of function research. That's, a, that's just a lie. Sorry, Senator. That's when he went after Rand Paul. He was completely lying in that whole exchange. And then he just, he got onto the vaccination and, you know, if you get a vaccination, you know, and we get the, the second vaccination and they were forecasting, remember July 4th, it was going to celebrate the end of COVID. And then we, and then he didn't say a word, not one word when Joe Biden announced that Donald Trump was responsible at that time, 250,000 deaths, to, so-called deaths of COVID as if there were no comorbidities, but nevertheless, if you're a president and they die on your watch, you shouldn't be president. Well, whatever way we figure, whether Donald Trump left office with 350,000, 360, 370, we've got over 800,000. And so they died under Joe Biden. According to his own rhetoric, he should resign. So it's that type of stuff that has completely destroyed the credibility. And it's, it's tragic and dangerous because we need medical models that we can follow and, and exemplars of you know, integrity that we can listen to, but he's completely abandoned all of his disinterested advice. He goes on MSNBC and CNN, and then he winks and nods and they egg him on to track trash Trump. And he sort of does with Burks. And the two of them were an utter disaster. And the people they hated the most, of course, were Scott Atlas because he was blunt. He was direct. He said, basically, the situation will be what? Exactly like it is now. That's what he said. These mutations will come. They'll lessen in severity. We'll get some herd immunity. We'll get more vaccinations. But you cannot destroy the health system of the United States by denying, you know, screenings, cancer checks, PSAs, mammograms to the population. Are you going to really find yourself in trouble? And we are now, we're seeing a lot of deaths that were unnecessary. And that's not even talking about spousal or familial or drug abuse. Well, Victor, we have two other exemplars of integrity to discuss in the about 15 minutes remaining. And their names are Kamala Harris and Hillary Clinton. We'll, we'll talk about them right after this message. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens. 
your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show, The Traditionalist. We are recording on the 21st of December. It's the first day of winter. Witches call it the winter solstice, but I still call it the first day of winter. Victor, my friend, somebody said on TV the other day about the virus, we don't know where it came from. That was Kamala Harris. Let's talk a little about her and that comment. And then also she yeah. got into a, a little fight with Charlemagne the Great, who also had gotten into some altercation with Joe Biden last. He was the guy, you know, you, you ain't black uh, that Biden responded to. But uh, Kamala is always in the news getting feisty or just pure BSing America that this virus, we don't know where it came from. Victor, your thoughts about her? A great asset to uh, Joe Biden. She's, he is Spiro Agnew incarnate because just when you think that Joe Biden's lack of cognitive abilities have so embarrassed the Democratic Party that even they, when they look at the polls, are considering to remove him. Then they get into a smoke-filled room and somebody said, but look at her. You want her in there? Because we'd rather have somebody that is cognitively challenged that is somewhat likable than someone who is roundly despised across the political spectrum and is incompetent, who has no achievement whatsoever or any experience. Not that Biden is an exemplar of that. So she's kind of a caricature and they don't know what to do with her. And it all goes back to that campaign moment after George Floyd's death, when Joe Biden virtue signaled that he was going to appoint a black woman. And that as we said before, Jack, he had Stacey Abrams. If he didn't want Maxine Waters, he had Stacey Abrams, or maybe he could have got one of these Soros DAs or something. But there was not a lot of black female experienced politicians. And these were not Barbara Jordans or Shirley Chisholm's. They were not of that generation. So that's what you got. And what do you have? You have somebody who's totally incompetent, who's mean-spirited. She can't keep a staff. She can't go to the border. She's leaking things about Biden's cognitive lapses. Biden is leaking things about how unpopular and trying to needle her by putting her in, in positions that are lose-lose. And so it's his insurance policy, Jack. You can't get rid of Biden or you'll have her. And Nixon wouldn't have been in. I don't think they would have right. gone after Nixon had not Agnew blown himself up right. with these past illegalities that finally surfaced and kind of surfaced, to be frank, a little mysteriously during Watergate, because the Democrats knew that they needed a, I don't know, a presentable vice president of the country. But Agnew, so Agnew kept, as long as he was vice president, he kept Nixon in power. And as long as she's vice president, she'll keep Biden in power. Yeah. Well, 
not that we should talk about this, but that once again, goes back to Alger Hiss. There was a 25-year commitment to destroy Richard Nixon because of revenge for what he did to Hiss. But Victor, from what you just mentioned, okay, looking ahead, you know, past 2022 to 2024, Joe Biden, please, Kamala Harris, come on. But now we have another, come on, Hillary Clinton coming out of the woodwork or the coven, wherever the heck she's been, implying she's, you know, tan rested, Botoxed and ready. This talk emerging of Hillary 2024. I don't know. It's kind of comical, weird. Victor, what are your thoughts about this? I have two questions. Did you say coven? I said coven. coven? Yes, I did. Does that yeah. use in any other context other than witches and vampires or not? It's not. Not that I know. <laughs> I Although didn't know. Coven I was... may, a coven may be a collection of antelopes or, I don't know, it may stand. Be a stand I wonder if it's like a covey of quail or something. I wonder if it's yeah. related, related. I was just struck. No, but no I'm, I'm, I mean, witches. I don't understand her because the woman left the Senate and her husband left the presidency and they were broke. And they'd never really had a job. She had that phony Rose Law Firm job, but they'd never really had a job outside of government. And now they're worth, I don't know, two or three hundred million dollars. And she's got on her resume Uranium One, which is really the great scandal of her career. Then she hired a foreign national, which is illegal to interfere in a campaign. And she hit it, as we said earlier, by the DNC, Perkins Coe and Fusion GPS. And the whole thing was made up. And she even used one of her own former staffers who was in Russia to feed lies as if Steele needed lies beyond his own lies. And he hadn't been to Russia. So we have all that. And then she said that Donald Trump was not a legitimate president. And then she told Joe Biden, do not concede if you lose the vote. And then she winked and nod. You remember when Nancy Pelosi's daughter and all those uh, celebrities and politicos in 2016 dreamed up this idea of getting the electors not to reflect right. their... Remember they had all those commercials with these has-been actors? Oh, one, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, they did all of that. That was all. And then Jill Stein was a surrogate. She sued, I think, in three states to overturn the election. So that she really created the whole industry of challenging the legitimacy of an election. And she created the idea of just trying to destroy somebody. And she did a lot of things that were illegal and she had no consequences whatsoever. Then she turned around and this is after reset, reset, that empowered Vladimir Putin, who really did follow Obama's request to give Obama a little flexibility and behave. And then he, Obama would, you know, dismantle missile defense, which he did. And then he invaded after the election a year and a half later, he invaded Ukraine and Eastern Ukraine and Crimea. So she has nothing but a trail of corruption and malfeasance. And yet she's, she's kind of like, I don't know what to say, what kind of metaphor fits her, but she's just indestructible. Remember it was, what was it? Five years ago, she fell down in that secret service or that bodyguard had to pick her up and put her in the SUV. Uh, and, and everybody wear, was, while wearing those kind of crazy glasses that people who yeah. get, uh, I don't know if they get strokes or whatever. She's wearing. had a stroke. She did. Yeah. And prison glasses. She did that during the Benghazi hearings. She said, what difference does it make? She said deplorables, hey, irredeemables and deplorables and, you know, the guys that are racist, sexist, protection, all that stuff. And then the Obama-Hillary 2008 
all of that baggage, she would get a little humility and say, you know what, I'm a has-been. But she's indestructible. And she's going to be back. And she's looking at the horizon. And she says, you know what? The Democratic Party is a bunch of geriatric has-beens. Clyburn's, what, 80? And Schumer's 73? And Feinstein's 88? And Stinney Hoyer's 82? And Pelosi's 81? And Biden's 79? And where are the young people? Well, the young people are the dynamic Pete Buttigieg or the illustrious Kamala Harris, or the brilliant Cory Booker, and don't forget Julian Castro. He's really an accomplished guy. Or you can have 73-year-old Elizabeth Warren. So there's nobody there. And so she thinks that, you know, that she's not any older than any of them, and she's going to run. Promises, promises. I hope she does. That would be one big gift to the party. (laughs) Oh my gosh! I, I they're praying for that to happen. Yeah, bring it on! Can you imagine what the primaries would be like too? Because I don't oh. see Biden not running, and all is. I think is, we'll see Michelle run, huh? Well, yeah. Well, huh. we'll see. We'll see. Well, Victor. By the way, can we just go back for two minutes, and yeah. then we've got to close. One thing back on Biden, and there's been a bit of a change of tone in the White House about the commentary on COVID etc. And to the extent of, you know, we can't have, but basically, I think on part of what the governor of Colorado and some others were saying, you know, we can't have these lockdowns anymore. People have to get back to normal, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. It's like someone wrote this script. And immediately, MSNBC and CNN and others, this mantra started going out, you know, people doing a total flip, like the Brian Stelters of the world. I mean, immediately, they went from genuflecting the ideas of lockdowns and closed schools, et cetera, to, yeah, we need to get back to normal. So so just a, a big softball here about how you know the media really is an arm of the Democratic Party and remains well, it so. Is. It is. And they did that, remember, as I said a little earlier, they did that because the whole COVID response in the media was weaponized against Donald Trump to make sure that his booming economy would, you know, blow up. And it did. And then to attack him every single day and claim that he drank bleach, he advocated we all go drink bleach, go read the transcript. He didn't say that. But my point is that fit into that left-wing persona of passive aggressive, ain't only tentative, paranoid, neurotic, and boy, they were going to run with it. And then the old pro, the James Carville, those types of old guys said, wait a minute, this is hurting Biden. We're never going to get fully back into the economy and we're never going to get fully trust in government unless this stuff ends, this paranoid lockdown. And so they're trying to pressure the media now is on board and they're trying to pressure Joe Biden. But as I said, Joe Biden is the 78, nine-year-old guy on the corner house on the street that has a ryegrass lawn. And every once in a while, the guy on the bicycle went, cuts a corner and he cuts across it and he goes insane. And then for the next 50 hours, he says to his wife, get, why did I get off of the grass? What's well, his mask is the grass. And he yeah. can't get rid of that fixation. And so, you know, it's the same thing. If you notice Jack very quickly that for the last two weeks, Suddenly there was a talking point. In 2022, we may lose democracy. The Trump 
revolution, conspiracy, insurrection will come back in 2024. This is what Adam Schiff said. This is what the Washington Post, New York Times, Atlantic Magazine. They were all, Hillary said this. I, I fear for democracy in 2024, as if she hadn't tried to destroy it herself already. And why was that now? Because they were saying to themselves, there's no there there. There's no border issue. There's no energy issue. There's no economy issue. There's no foreign policy plus. There's no race plus. We have nothing. We have to go back to insurrection, insurrection, insurrection on January 6th and Donald, 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 Donald Trump. And we'll put the two together and say there'll be an insurrection of Trump in the future. And then the military's in it. We had these three crazy Anderson and these other three retired generals in the Washington Post, and this lunatic unhinged op-ed in which they said, you know, the military's got to get active and proactive and stop this coup from happening. Well, the only people that were talked about a coup were the left. Rosa Brooks, 11 days after Trump was in office, you should consider a coup. She wrote right. that in the, in the foreign policy. And you remember John Nagel, I think it was Yingling, Lieutenant Colonel Yingling, they wrote a letter and saying, Millie's got to think about removing Trump if he even objects to the election. And then we had Joe Biden said, you know, the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs will help me, you know, remove. I'm not even going to get into, right. you know, the Russian collusion hoax, but the Article 88 of the Uniform Code of Military Justice, the retired generals, they all violated it. Not all of them, but 12, 13 or 14. Trump is Mussolini. Trump is a Nazi. Trump has Auschwitz cages. So my point is that the military is now following the media prompt and the left-wing prompt and trying to create a coup porn, you know, coup, 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 so that they can have an issue of Donald Trump in the January 6th. They have no other issues. And the irony, again, just like Biden, it's nemesis or paradox. I don't know what you'd call it, but the only talk about coups so far in the last five years has been on the left as any means necessary or justified to remove this ogre Donald J. Trump. Yeah, all right. I mean, he was president a few days and there was the impeachment um, Absolutely. Uh, bill already. And Well, Victor, we only have a few minutes, so I want a couple of business things to uh, take into account. First of all, we appreciate all our listeners and those who go to iTunes and leave five stars, which is the average. You know, thousands of people have left ratings maybe a dozen or so are not five stars. It's it's tremendous. We appreciate that folks do appreciate the podcast. Some folks do leave comments. Here's one quick one from the other day by P. Scott. And it's titled None Better Than VDH with three exclamation points. Not two, not one, but three. The most informative is also the most therapeutic. Such are the times we live in. I doubly appreciate this podcast. Thank you. P. Scott about Victor, victorhanson.com. Go there. Christmas is coming up in a few days. I'm not sure if this podcast is going to be up and about before Christmas, but even if it's after Christmas and you've forgotten something, get yourself a press, subscribe $5 a month, $50 for the whole year. It actually would make a great gift. There is a tremendous amount of original content that Victor writes that you can only read at victorhanson.com. And while we had the show and we were recording. I went to the website, Victor, and I see while we, while we were talking, a new piece just went up about your, <laughs> it's titled 40 Years of Queensland Weirdos. And, and you're talking about 
dogs, Queensland healer. We won't give it away unless you want to say something very briefly about this. Oh, I've had Queenslands for 40 years and I love them and they drive me nuts. I don't know why (laughs) I keep going back, but my wife now has, I don't know what, she has a fixation on Queenslands. I thought that she would put up with them, but she loves them. Well, and they are neurotic, (laughs) they're nutty, and they're intensely loyal. They will sacrifice their body and soul to protect their master. And they're really a one master dog. So if right. you have two masters, it can be treacherous as they go back and forth between their loyalty because they want to have one master. And they're weird. They're bred from 1880s from dingoes in Australia and an English shepherd. And the result is that you get these sort of wild streaks in them yeah. and they act like kind of dingoes. So when you have them at your home, they're always searching for, you know, get under a table or a corner in the house or somewhere where they feel they're in a burrow. And then they put these sharp gnashing teeth out. They're kind of like that movie, Dr. Strangelove. You remember when Peter yes. Sellers is, and he couldn't stop saluting Nazi, his hand automatically would go right. up. Well, they have the same thing. They've been bred to nip the, the ankles of cattle. So even though they don't hurt you, they run around and kind of get, when they get excited, they want to nip your little ankle bone. Oh, so they can't right. help it. But they're the best watchdogs and they have amazing sensory capacities with eyesight and hearing and smell, at least until they're 10 years old. And then after that, they can start to age very quickly. But they're wonderful dogs. They're hard to find these days. They've kind of caught on. But anyway, I wrote about their pluses and minuses. I don't want to be too yeah. critical. I know there's some Queensland healer owners or sometimes they're called Australian cattle dogs that will say, don't ever make fun of my Queensland. Their owners are fiercely loyal yeah. and well, protective. It's, uh, it's mutual and, uh, then. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is a beautiful piece, what I've gleaned of it. It's the kind of piece you write for victorhanson.com, VDH's Blade of Perseus. You write some of the features. This is a child's garden of animals. You've written about angry readers, Eeyore's Corner. So it's terrific. Folks get it. Also consider purchasing The Dying Citizens, Victor's still best-selling book. You can buy it. Uh, Amazon is still throwing curveballs. Yeah, seven out of nine weeks it's been on Amazon. I mean, since it's been out nine weeks, seven of them it's been out of stock. But don't let that stop you. You can go to to Barnes & Noble and get it. Right. It's there. Yeah. And as for me, I'm Jack Fowler. And I'd appreciate our listeners, if you're interested in civil society, and I work at American Philanthropic, and that's what we're about, strengthening civil society. I run the Center for Civil Society, and that's got its own website, centerforcivilsociety.com. And I write a weekly email newsletter that, I don't know, it's pretty groovy, I think, gives a dozen or so reading recommendations. That's called Civil Thoughts, and you can find that at civilthoughts.com. It's free. Nothing to buy. No instructions to be given through that. It's just a heartfelt recommendation. So, Victor, that's the time we have. I'm going to wish people a very Merry Christmas, and I wish it to you and the great Mrs. Hansen and and, and all your dogs. <laughs> Have a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening, folks. Christmas, everybody, and thank you again for listening. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore 
of every story, but this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.